0: Hello everyone and welcome to another Goodwood Carpool. I'm Ed Foster and I'm the deputy head of motorsport content here at Goodwood. Now, many of you will have seen the previous carpools we've done. I've managed to randomly bump into the likes of Dario Franchitti, Gordon Murray, and even Tiffany Dell just standing around outside the Goodwood Hotel looking for a lift. And uh, I picked them up and had a really good chat. Today, though, is a little bit different. Because today it's not, it's not really a Goodwood Carpool, it's more of a Goodwood chauffeur and there's been a request from up top from the Duke of Richmond himself, and he'd like to be picked up from his house and taken to the circuit. Now I've managed to persuade those that are in charge of his diary to allow just a little bit more time than the five minutes it would usually take to get from the house to the circuit. So we're going to have a bit of a chat about his career and Goodwood itself. Right, so some of you might have noticed that this is a left-hand-drive car. I'm not 100% sure why I'm in a left-hand-drive car, but it does make moments like this look pretty stupid. It should not be doing this in a Rolls-Royce. wait while your is connected. Hello. Hi there, it's Ed Foster. I'm here to film an interview with uh, Duke. Okay, thank you. Thanks very much.
1: Afternoon. Ed, hi, good. nice to see you. Hey doing? Right? Yeah, good. Um, can we go
0: to the circuit? Absolutely, right. absolutely. Have you got a little bit of time to spare and we can do a sort of circuitous route? Absolutely. Yeah. That would be no, really no, good. So I um, there's obviously been some quite big moments in, in Goodwood's history. But we are now coming up to the 25th anniversary of the Festival of Speed, the 20th anniversary of the revival, the 20th anniversary of the Goodwood Road Racing Club. It's quite a monumentous sort of moment, isn't it? Well, it seems like <laughs> it's <laughs> a bit
1: of a year, I know. It's amazing, I can't believe it's been 25 years since we started the Festival Speed, which is the kind of beginning of it all, and, um,
0: yeah, it's amazing. Is it, did you, I mean, obviously I don't think you probably think that far ahead, but did you think you'd ever get to this stage, you know, celebrating such... Because, you know, a good know. Idea, you're, we're always celebrating anniversaries, but we're suddenly we're into the realms of kind of Bigger anniversaries than some of the car manufacturers.
1: <laughs> exactly, no, it's extraordinary. No, exactly, we're big on anniversaries, important part of uh, the, the theme and the, and, the, and the really focus for each year. And here we are celebrating our own anniversaries, that's fairly bizarre. Exactly, and we've been going you know, longer than some of the car companies. <laughs> uh, that's uh, also weird. No, I had no idea at all when it all started for a minute that we'd be celebrating 25 years. I can remember each year when we started, we'd go, not another festival of speed on the filing cabinet, because we just couldn't believe we were going to do another one. Um, they were pretty, um, you know, they were fairly stressful and and, uh, and uh, traumatic, the first ones. I mean, it was literally us, you know, sitting on a, at one table, sending out the tickets ourselves, pretty much. So it was all, all fairly chaotic and um, and just mega, huge focus on that weekend, so deadline, and, and, and pretty stressful actually, so we just, every year we said we're never ever doing this again and then we'd forget <laughs> the pain after a month or two and we'd say okay well maybe we'll think about it and then we'd suddenly find oh my god we're doing it again, I can't believe it.
0: But there was I mean there were a few years that you you actually, um, you took tickets, you sold tickets on the door and you didn't even take pre-bookings. Oh
1: no, for, for quite a few yeah. years, it was, well the very first year there were no pre-bookings, all 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 on the door, so that gave us a huge fright. So um, we were told we'd be lucky to get two and a half thousand people um, that first year from people experienced. The BARC who were helping us put on put it on, they they were well experienced in all of that. And then um, I remember, you know, famously opening my bathroom curtains that morning and finding that uh, there were just people streaming in <laughs> through the. Through the uh, through the gates, and just, I could see them walking up from, through the cathedral walk, and there were like twenty-five thousand people on site. <laughs> and it was like we had no fencing out; everyone was breaking in. Everyone, we don't know how many people paid. Then we had nowhere to put the money. We had no tickets to give them. We we end up going buying a load of a load of cloakroom tickets so, and giving them out instead. And um, anyway, we got by. It
0: was a pretty tumultuous weekend. Uh, now we're, we're going up the, the hill climb at the moment, rather more sedately than. The normal, um, but you've driven some amazing machinery up here. God,
1: I've been uh, so lucky. I know I've all the cars I dreamt of as a child. Um, I've um, many of them I've been lucky enough to actually get to Goodwood, so they've been here and I've seen them and, and uh, touched them uh, myself. But then, even more amazingly, often I've been asked to drive them, so I've been I've been massively lucky. I just haven't owned enough of them, <laughs> that's the problem. But I have driven them and I've and I've had them here. And that's been extraordinary. I kind of, it makes me believe that if you kind of want something badly enough in a funny way, you kind, of,
0: You'll end you up doing kind
1: it. of get it. Yeah, it's all those Bugattis I used to dream about as a child. and I dreamt about having a Morgan Three-Wheeler and all sorts of things. And sure enough, um, well, I did actually have that and that wasn't a great success. But I, <laughs> I, um, I have driven, you know, I driving a Chaparral and things like that. I mean, who would ever have dreamt that would happen?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing just to see a Chaparral, let alone in the flesh, let alone drive it. I remember the first year the chaparrales came, we persuaded
1: Jim Hall to come. I came out of the dining room, we got these windows at Goodwich open right up, you can walk out of them. And I walked out of the dining room window on um, first thing Friday morning, of the fe- first morning of the Festival of Speed, and this guy just ran right into me, nearly knocked me over. He fell over. He went, oh, gee, oh, man, I'm so sorry, man, I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just in a hurry, man, I come all the way from Chicago to see the chaparrales. I thought, my God, okay, well, that's amazing, <laughs> these guys come all the way from America. Cause it was almost the first time they'd been seen out. I think uh, Jim had brought them from, from, um, from Texas, from Midland, Texas, and um, and then to be asked to drive one, and he gave me the special Roadrunner badge, which uh, very very few drivers have got actually. So very amazingly, very very few people have ever <laughs> driven them. They're uh, they're uh, a pretty rare and uh, a pretty rare and wonderful thing for anyone to actually. No, actually drive. Is it? I
0: mean, is it not quite daunting getting into a car like that on something like the hill climb, where it's, it's it takes well, no prisoners. It is certainly. a bit.
1: It is a bit. Yeah, because I'm not a. You know, I'm, I can drive all right. I'm not a great driver or anything particularly, and um, uh, I got no. I have no. There's no practice really. So I did used to try and always have a bit of a go beforehand, but it wasn't much. There wasn't much time, and so. No, and they're all, always a bit quirky, these cars. I mean, God, I've driven some fabulous cars and I've driven some really awful ones as well, no. or difficult ones. <laughs> the Chaparral's amazing because it's obviously got that one, it's just, you know, it's got that, that gearbox where it's just two gears. Yeah. And it just
0: kind of winds itself up. Um, well, I was, I was going to talk about, talk about it a bit later, but you've, didn't you used to race carts a bit and a Vauxhall Lotus? Yeah. Is that right? So have yeah. I been
1: informed correctly? Yeah, I didn't really... Yeah, I did. No. So go-karting is where it all started for me. So I absolutely wanted to go-kart more than anything in the world when I was about eight. And, um, again, something I used to dream about. My grandfather, of course, was a very good driver, and he used to send me all the all the bike magazines at school, and he was a great enthusiast and a very good engineer. And uh, he really infected me with this, this bug. And, of course, I used to come down to watch the motor racing every year and fell in love with it. And... Um, desperately wanted a go-kart Anyway, when my parents eventually gave in, I was about 11, they bought me a zip-cart from a local garage dealer who now does all our pickups at the Motor Circuit Fund, oh. every,
0: every man's <laughs> garage. Yes, I, I've been there myself yeah. actually, yeah.
1: And um, <laughs> they, uh, I, bought a, I bought a cart off Gerald, I remember, I remember really clearly to this day him bringing it, driving it up down the park road there. They've just been, and um, then my father bought it for me. I was so overjoyed. I drove it all the time. It was my absolute passion. Did you? I mean, did you do some racing with it, or was I didn't it? Really race it? No, should have done. It was a, it was a 100cc. You know, they were pretty quick. Those things. I mean, it was it was amazing. I and mean, we're going all the way to West Ham to get us piston rings because I'd <laughs> be blowing the engine all the time. I'd blow these piston rings. And again, I was thinking about how mad it was. You know, Now we'd be all on the internet, wouldn't we? We'd yeah. be just, they'd arrive the next agree. morning and bang, bang, bang. <laughs> I had to get on the train from Chichester, age 12, whatever I did. I got on the train, went all the way to West Ham, walked off the tube at West Ham, walked to the place, got my piston rings, came back. And um, our wonderful estate mechanic, Dave Smith, who worked in the stable yard, would then fit them, and they were incredibly thin actually. And they always used a bloody well brakes, so quite often I'd go and buy them and then we'd break them putting them on. <laughs> but um, no, the go kart was a big thing, yes. And then, uh, actually, the thing I almost enjoyed the most of all was that it was the, I, I bought Matt Aitken's Vauxhall Lotus, yeah, and uh, just ready to drive it on the track. And um, I, was, I was just I was, I was busy there. I was also, you know, it was just, I was. Oh, yeah, racing, I wasn't really wasn't really timed to do much racing, but I loved that car. That was such good fun. So mm. wings and slicks. what's it got a sixteen hundred cc engine or yeah, something? Wings nice and one. slicks. Uh, I mean, really quick. We're doing one hundred and forty-five down the straight or something. One hundred forties. I think. you could do a pretty quick lap in it. And um, and we used to just go down because obviously the track was out. No, one up the track? I used to just ring up the tower, sound coming down. Um, I'm not sure they ever liked anybody much being on the track in those days. It was always a bit, always, it was always a bit distracting for them. And then off we go. I do seventy laps. I do a grand, prix. I do a right. full grand prix, full <laughs> on, grand on your prix own. length on my own. Yeah. Did you not? need oh. to come in and refuel. It's Yeah, I used to come in with a bit of refueling. So I'm not <laughs> sure. I I like, was on a full, I was on full GP mode.
0: <laughs> Single seater endurance race. But do you, from doing all that driving and testing, I guess, did you not? Want to go and race, or was that because yeah, usually that's so? I'd like have
1: done so, I just didn't. I was just, it was just too. I mean, I, was, I guess I was just, too, I was very, very busy with my photography. I was living in London, um, it was just hectic. I guess what the mistake was, I should have got the go kart earlier, yeah, and um, and then I might have, I guess that would have got me going a bit, probably got me going a bit quicker. I didn't actually race, um, it was really Robert Brooks who got me racing. I didn't really race, um, until we started the festival of speed. Right. And then yeah, and then Robert kind of got me sort of said, come on, we ought to do you ought to do do some stuff. So um, and he was racing too then, and I got a I got that very nice little Mark One Lola, and I did a you know did some sort of pre-60s sports car racing, and obviously race at revival for the first five years or something, yeah. and then got fed up with my children and asked me why I was at the back all the time, so I thought it so sad. The thing awful. about doing it at your own, your, own, your own events, rather you just said, was it, was it daunting doing it at the first speed? I mean, it is daunting in a way, that you just don't want to be an idiot, Yeah. so you don't really want to, and it's easily done, you don't want to just crash or do something, and it's, I, I did feel a bit at the, rev, at the Revival, as it got more and more competitive, and you know, you need to race every, you need to be really racing all the time to be any good, and I just wasn't doing it enough. But I, you know, it's a shame I should have done more. But, and and um, it, it, um, it just got so competitive.
0: Yeah. And yeah. There, was, there was one particular moment when you were much younger, I think. And I won't say who told me this, but he might have been called Rob Widows. Um, with an MG1100 of your mother's yeah, on so the a hill. A
1: bit of joyriding. Yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, well, I left school very early. So I just left school, literally. And I was meant to be at the local college here. Getting some exams under my belt, which I wasn't that that interested in, and literally almost the first day I was meant to be at this place, I came back with a friend of mine, a guy I'd met there. Um, He became a very great friend, and we uh, we took my my mother was out, and we took her MG 1100, which which was considered a you know high performance machine (laughs) in those days, dreadful car, and. um, we actually, So I went up the Festival Speed Hill, we zipped around at the top, came roaring back down again. And I hadn't noticed on the way up, but someone had put gravel on that last turn, and I came in and I hit the gravel, and the suspension on those cars is really terrifying. <laughs> it's got that molten <laughs> suspension, which I think, you know, front left comes up, back right goes down, <laughs> so it works like that, or something like that. I'd been told about it. So I had the most monumental shunt, Yeah, I was going pretty quickly, and, yeah, and put myself in hospital for four and a half months. So I lost a lot of time. So I was out of action for a year, really. Um, so I, I have to so say, I think ever since I have been a bit up.
0: I don't like crashing much. I don't think anyone um, loves loves crashing. You know, I, did, I had Dario in, in the car a few, few months ago, and he uh, he's certainly not a fan. Fan <laughs> of crashing. <No>. He's, <laughs> he's, well, he's, he's had, had some big ones. Had
1: some big ones in yeah. as well.
0: Um, you, you mentioned your photography there, but you're you still you still have photography exhibitions on quite a regular basis. Yeah, don't no, you? I'm yeah. still doing quite a bit. Yeah, so I've,
1: done, yeah I've done photography. Seriously, all my life, really, and obviously I did it very seriously for a while, doing sort of still life advertising stuff in in uh, in London, sort of but um, a very good time. It was a very exciting time in the 80s for all of that, and London was probably the best place in the world for that sort of work. So that was that was really exciting. And it was really straight from that that I then I then came down to Goodwood, and yeah. um, it's always played a big part in my life. And I didn't do so much for quite a long time, and then I guess over the last 10 years I got back into it quite heavily, and I've done shows, yeah, in Russia and America and.
0: And, um, yeah. I mean, would you say photography is? you having done it all your life? Is it your sort of your primary passion? Is that, in terms of, you know, it's not really a, it's not really what well, it is a yeah. job, but. Well, it becomes
1: beyond. Yeah, it's just something. I, it's something I do, and it's it's important to me. I can do it on my own. It doesn't. I don't need anyone else to, to particularly to get involved. Yeah. With it, so that's good. And I, you know, I've done it. It's odd when you've done something for so. I've done it for fifty years or something. So I started when I was ten. So. It's interesting doing something for that long
0: yeah um do you think the the visual side of it has helped with Goodwood and the events and and the, the visual side of those Is there, is there any connection there? Um,
1: I think it's helped. I do think it's helped I think it's helped much more than I would have imagined at the time. I never imagined I'd have any and my father was very you know he was very good about all that. he didn't think there needs to be any connection with what I was doing kind of in my own life before. I was at Goodwood with what I might be doing later at Goodwood, which I think was very commendable. He just, just wanted me to do something that I felt strongly about and hopefully could you know, make some money at um, and kind of survive doing. Uh, and it went well. I mean, I, did, I, had, I was lucky. I had some, did some fantastic campaigns and some great jobs. And, um, but interestingly, a lot of the people um, that I used then, uh, model makers, set builders, designers, um, to help with the big productions we did and the big set builds we did, you, those guys are, there's quite a lot of us still involved with me now. So Jerry really? Judah, who does all our big sculptures at the Festival of Speed, uh, Jerry was a master model maker, and Jerry used to make a lot of models for me. And it was because of that that then I asked him to do the very first one, major one we did, which was Ferrari, because Jerry is very, very good at modelling in polystyrene. So um, we did that together, and Jerry had all, all, all during that time become more and more of a. Fine artist, and it was very talented and very creative indeed. And then gently, we've sort of moved to become you know to create these bigger and more, uh, more exciting um, sculptures. So, he's a good example. So, I think it has helped, and I think it's, it's um, it certainly made it important for me the look and feel of the whole thing. And, and yeah. um, the sort of architectural look at the festival at the beginning, I was very clear what I wanted that to look like. Um, so, I guess, in that sense, it, it has played a part.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned your father, and, then I was, and I think something you've always said is that how good it was that you, you took over the reins when you were still quite young, because you had the, you know, the drive and you know of wanting to do something more with Goodwood. Whereas I think historically, that's not always been the case of someone taking over the business when they're still young enough to have that drive.
1: No, exactly. So the whole succession plan is a really important bit of it all. I mean, if you mess it up at the end. All your all your efforts have been for nothing in a way. So my father, I think, handled that very well indeed. But his father was keen to hand over reasonably early, and um, uh, my father always made it clear that it would be around, yeah, you forty-ish know, something like that. And um, I think that was a good plan, uh, especially. Yeah, you know, he put so much into it, and um, he was certainly. A fantastic example he'd be able to give everything he had to it yet at the same time walk away from it in a way it will certainly never get um, uh, n- 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 never never kind of get in the way of, of um, change or moving on he was very positive about change and um, you know very fit but I think that's pretty rare I mean so often the you know the kind of old, old um, the old boy, if you like, goes out feet first and the f- son takes over and he's like seventy or something and he's got no life left in him really. So I think to take on these things when you've still got some energy and some um, enthusiasm and can kind of make things happen and get things done is pretty important.
0: So yeah. I think that was, that was good. But he was, I mean, the first Festival of Speed in '93 was, was he, he was still sort of in charge, was it? Well, that was your first...
1: Yeah, no, he was very of, much, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was very much around. He was, remained chairman for a long time after that. And um, yeah, he never once said, what on earth are you doing, this is the most terrible idea. Even on the morning. Why are we spending all this money? 25,000 yeah. people. Yeah, no, no. He, was only, he was amazing like that, he was only yeah. positive about it, only excited about it, only wanting us to do more, do it better, you know, do more business, he was very positive. Mm.
0: Now after school, you left Left school and went to, to work with Stanley Kubrick on Barry Lyndon. Yeah. And I think you did pre-production on the film, or did you do...
1: Yeah, no, and I was involved with the film very early on, actually.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that must have been an amazing experience to go from school to then working with. Was well, I felt much better about life actually. <laughs> <Did you>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I didn't enjoy school much, and um, at seventeen, yeah, I was very lucky. So, I met a load of guys at the National Film School where I wanted to go, but I was a bit young for that, and um, they sort of pushed me in the direction. Um, they knew one of Kubrick's PAs, and and I was very fortunate. I applied for a job with him and got it, and and um, it wasn't a very important job at all, but there were very few people involved in the film at that point. So I spent quite a lot of time with Stanley and with Ken Adams, who was one of the great art directors, and um, I used to sit with them every evening going through stuff we'd shot and hear them talking about why it was good, why it wasn't good, why it would work, what wasn't in period about the location or whatever. So that was really fascinating, and just seeing someone of that... You know, he was a genius, but seeing someone of that caliber making decisions and also just no, not compromising on anything. I mean, Stanley never compromised. Yeah. Um,
0: but that was that was sort of one of his, one of the things he was best known for was there's no compromise approach. Absolutely. And that I guess that has fed into Goodwin the, the events, and um, that's maybe where it comes from. I don't know.
1: Well, it had a big impression, made a big impression on me, but I just think that you, we just need to try as hard as we can. Obviously that one inevitably has to compromise sometimes a bit, but uh, uh, and Stanley really didn't, I don't think. <laughs> the, um, he delivered 2001, eight years late or something and somehow managed to keep that all, all going. But no I, I just believe that and I think everyone here is brilliant at it. Everyone at good is brilliant at it. Is we just want to do it as well as we can, and uh, we want to give it as much you know, as much effort as we can and not compromise, if possible, and do what we believe is going to be, um, yeah, hopefully, a really exciting experience. We want, to, we want to deliver things which
0: people really love. Now, with your expertise of Rolls-Royces, do you know how to defog the window? <laughs> oh, I, f- I picked up this car yesterday and I actually... Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, that ought to do there it. There we go. That'll do it. Um, okay, so, got, we, the, I mean, you, put, you, put you touched on, on the, um, the advertising that you did. Sometimes with good I mean, good Goodwood there's so many... You've got so many balls in the air. Do you sometimes miss the sort of relative simplicity of the world of advertising and uh, the photography? Sure. And
1: sure, I mean, I miss. Uh, yeah, Goodwood's complicated and lots of people involved. So now it's really about trying to um, be clear what it is that we're that one's focusing on. Be clear what it is that we're asking people to do, and try and bring out. I guess a lot of it's trying to bring out the best in. In. Um, other people and everyone, um, everyone everyone around me and um, and um, important that everyone has a direction and knows what we're trying to achieve and what's important um, to me and to goodwood and and, um, and the events if you like so I think it is it is very different and it is, and it is sure the business is much more complex but is it, that's really exciting too and and you know we've got a, a great team and we're very lucky we can be creative we can do stuff that a lot of people can't do because just
0: because we can. Yeah. Now, I'd, I wanted to talk a little bit about the ninth Duke, your grandfather, um, because, as you said, he, you know, he was a huge motor racing fan. Loved his cars, his planes, his bikes. Um, and I remember seeing <clears throat> an interview with you talking about going to the circuit in period with a red book of autographs and meeting all these drivers. I mean, that must have been an absolutely amazing experience for someone who was was well, so a fan of the sport already and having these incredible i mean world class drivers coming to goodwood
1: yeah and no, it was wonderful i obviously didn't know who lots of them were really at that point but he would explain to me I remember introducing jim clark who was at goodwood that year with a new um, with, with, with with a very new driver who was a close friend of his called Jackie Stewart. and my grandfather saying ah you know this what keep your eye on him he'll be he's going to be pretty good he could be world champion one day so um and, you know, Jackie and I have, um obviously very firm I'm a great admirer and we're firm friends. Um so that, that was amazing. People like Joe Bonnier. I remember sitting with him in the in the large library really, really well, like it was yesterday. And I've recently actually got to know his oh god, it must be his he must be his great nephew or something something like that. Um um but no, it was, it was a real treat, you're right. And I was right there, I had full access. My grandfather took me everywhere and I had my little red autograph book, which, very sadly, I now can't find. But, um, and I used to really... I recognise everyone more by their signatures than anything else, actually. <laughs> and um, I remember Graham Hill famously telling
0: me to bugger off <laughs> yeah, I was, when I... <laughs> I was going to ask about that. How did you manage to, to incur the wrath? Well,
1: there though? was a, there was a um, cocktail party. So we were racing, we, th- those days, um it was over Easter Easter weekend obviously so we and the racing was practice saturday off sunday because it was easter sunday and then the the racing was on easter monday and on the saturday night with a whole day obviously to sleep it off afterwards there was a big drinks party in the house which um was always in the long hall and there were these benches in the long hall and i went out to ask someone's Mike Salmon or someone's autograph. And he said, "No, no, old boy, you don't want mine. You need to speak to. He want this man. He's a proper driver." And I'd already got Graham's signature, and Graham was holding court and didn't want me, me to interrupt him. And I was sort pushed in front of him with my little book, and he said, "Oh, fuck it <laughs> So I felt rather. I, I disappeared with my tail between my legs after that. Um,
0: Have
1: you told David about, I've about told it? I've told David about <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Was he, we was had he surprised a laugh
1: about it? I don't think. He, I don't think he was. No. <laughs> No, Graham was terrific, but he could be quite punchy. Yeah.
0: but you, I think you spent a bit of time in, in, this, in this caravan of the circuit as your, as your base. We did. It, yeah.
1: There was a horrible little caravan, little sort of 50s caravan, right by the chicane. I'm just amazed that nobody ever hit it, actually. <laughs> um, I remember Beer, I think it was Beer, was it, having an amazing accident in the BRM. And he hit the, you know, the chicane was brick then, part of it. Yeah. And he went. So three of them went in, I think, and beer was on the, was on the like the, inside and whacked into the, brick into the wall and the, car just became U-shaped. But we used to we used to sit in the caravan have our little, picnic of sort of cold eggs and so cold sausages, all very sort of 1950s. As Doug said it was always raining and one's pockets were always <laughs> full of water. Um, I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> quite that bad, but it. Um, you know, it always seemed to be it was always jolly cold, as of course the Memphis meeting is now.
0: But it, I mean it wasn't motor racing was was never glamorous.
1: It was quite a
0: basic, it was basic you know, with grass paddocks right. and um Mud, yeah, it was very simple.
1: Muddy grass paddocks, yeah. Yeah. The, Everyone wearing big coats and big boots and I've got a great picture of my grandfather, the Roy Salvador. And my grandfather looks, he's got a very snazzy overcoat on, he's got boots on it, like he's about to go into the you know into the trenches or something. Um, <laughs> It was and no, it was quite it was very basic wasn't it it really was
0: but but your grandfather I mean he he absolutely loved it and it was it was Tony Gaze who going kind of initially said to him look there's actually there's, you might have a circuit here with the perimeter road of the of the airfield um, it so, was is that
1: right yeah absolutely right it's what Tony always claimed and I'm sure he was right is that after the war Tony and um, a few of the other young pilots, uh, went to see my grandfather. I'm amazed he hadn't actually, he must have been to see it himself, but he, I don't know how much he was around even then. But it always strikes me as being a bit odd, but I'm sure it's true. Uh, so he'd allowed the land to be requisitioned by the RAF. He'd never let them own it. He'd, he'd allowed them to sort of borrow it. And, and he'd been very positive about that because he was in the RAF and he was a great flyer. And the airmen built the, they built the runways themselves, of course, when they arrived. And, um, and then ultimately built this perimeter track around the edge to, so they could spread the fighters around so they didn't all get bombed at once. And um their dispersal points all the way around. And Tony came to my grandfather and said, you know, that perimeter track around your airfield would make a... Blimey. Place, be,
0: that was funny close. would make a... Oh, here comes another oh, one. God. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, I suddenly don't mind the fact it's left-hand <laughs> drive. <laughs> so I, think I had a
1: major near, near
0: truck experience there.
1: Um, yeah, Tony's told my grandfather he should give it, He should try it out. And my grandfather apparently got um, John Cooper um, got John Cooper to bring a car up, he got a little Cooper Five Hundred up to the, to the circuit, and they zoomed about round in that. And my grandfather, as he says himself, I think in a little short film we got, you know, he looked at it and thought, "Well, this will be rather good. We'll do this." And literally, you know, it was very quick because it must have only been in you know, less than a year later, 19, September forty-eight, they opened the, the, the track. And I think initially they had, they actually went the other way round as well. They tried it, they thought it'd be fun the other way, which, believe me, isn't. Um, I think Did you do
0: way. a 70-lap Grand Prix distance yeah, no, I, the tried, other way. <laughs> no, I tried going the other way. It's
1: pretty, it's pretty good to use your head a bit. Um, so he, he then, uh, I think, was very enthusiastic about the, 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 the potential of it. And then, um, obviously, ran it pretty successfully till 1966.
0: But it's, it's amazing what such small moments history, uh, history is based on but just a quick decision of oh yeah let's, let's give it a go
1: yeah and Tony Gaze I mean, if he, maybe if he hadn't mentioned it maybe it would never have well those funny things would never have happened <laughs> <laughs> I went I, I was at somebody's funeral um, who was involved in motor racing and um, Ian Bax came up to me and said you know your 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 um, Drive in front of the house would make a great hill climb, and I'd say, well, I said, "Well, I've thought about it here, but we'd never, we'd never, it would never happen. We'd never get permission. They'd never let us do it." So I think they would. You should try. And it was that little seed of a, of a little, okay, it might, you know, it might be possible. Really? That, re- that just, I've never have done it otherwise. So it's just weird how these things just, you know, got a little idea, and I just then asked Dennis Carter to look at it, and then Derek and Gara was coming down just by luck to look at the circuit because we were trying to see how we could get the circuit. Was that ever possible to open it up again? What was his feeling? And Derek looked at the circuit, and was quite positive about it, and was very helpful in trying to find ways that might be sort of viable. Because obviously we couldn't put arm cable around it or anything. Yeah. And then he, I said, look, can you just come and look at this? I had a little bit of an idea. And I drove him. I was going to go a different route to start with. And I showed it him. He said, oh, God, this all looks very quick. But yeah, and he said, actually, but it might work. We went this way. So rather than starting near the kennels, um, and going all the way, which I was going to do, uh, he said, we'll start down near, near where the hotel is and come up, and, and and that was it.
0: We did it. So so actually, the, the original sort of proposed route was from the kennels and then round the front of the house, yeah. turning left.
1: Well, that was my sort of, yeah, well, obviously right, it wouldn't that's... have been, for all sorts of reasons, wouldn't have been very easy, but it was very quick. <laughs> it
0: would have been very <laughs> So quick. from the kennels all
1: the way up to past the stables, yeah, well over hard left hand <laughs> up, up in front of the house.
0: Um, yeah but you, I mean your grandfather was very into his flying I mean he flew almost everywhere you know he'd have a meeting and he'd, he'd fly off there but have you, have you ever had that passion for aircraft things because it's it, obviously the, the cars and bikes seems to have, seem to have rubbed off yeah, but I don't
1: lo- I don't love aircraft quite the same way I do love some aircraft the ones that I would you know I, I didn't I don't I don't I don't really love little light aircraft particularly um, but I should have flown it was really silly I flew quite a lot in Africa when I was 17, 18, um, in f- in some fairly extreme circumstances, and um, with some really really good pilots. And then I came back, thought I'd do my PPL here with the Goodwood Flying School, obviously. And um, uh, I did just I just found it a bit dreary, really. I should have I just should have stuck with it, but I didn't. I found it all a bit tiresome. And um, my daughter's done it all. Oh, she's gone solo and everything, and pretty much done it. But it's a bit, I have to say, I'm not pleased with myself about that. I jolly well should have done it. And to be, be there now and not be able to fly is pretty silly. My grandfather, he said, used to fly everywhere. Hmm. He had flying field, which was not the current airfield, but, but where we now put a lot of the cars for and revival. And he had a thatch hangar there, which he set fire to about three times, I think, for the aircraft. Um, and um, they, all, they flew from there, and he'd fly all over the place. And he had a, a clam and quite a you know, sweet little aircraft.
0: But is it, I mean, nowadays it's a very time-consuming thing to it is, to keep right. up. You can't, just, you can't just do it occasionally. And it's all a,
1: that you know, fight, all that filing, flight play, it all takes forever. Um, and, and, you know, compared with how it was for him, he just pop, jump in the airplane, I guess. And, but I was like, well, like it was for me in Africa, you just jump in and off
0: you go. Um, before I left, I did wonder what would happen if we met a lorry on this road, and sure enough, we. Just yeah, mentally, we just yeah. Did. We're lucky we luckily had a little bit of room on the left. Yeah. I, I had a Sorry, play I'm of making Rolls Royces flexibility, flexibility the Flexibility filthy. Yeah. Um, so I, I, sort of before we get too close to the end, I wanted to talk a little bit about sort of legacy things because at, at some point in the future, your your son will take over, and what I mean, what do you want your legacy to be? You know, is it is it is it the events or is it something bigger than that?
1: Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I think. Um, I think so. Sort of sustainability is one thing; is very important. A long-term sustainability, putting good in a position where it really can survive healthily and happily with kind of what it's doing. Um, uh, it, is a, it does feel like a lot of lot of effort and work um, keep it all up and running, um, which is which is all good and fine. But it's uh, you know, the, the, the long term. I I'd like to. You know, make all that work, which is, yeah, you know, I think beginning to happen. So it's trying to keep all the difficult bits operating. So some businesses have to look after other businesses because Goodwood's all about a whole. Yeah, it's a, it's a community, it's a, it's a whole little sort of conglomerate of activities as well, which all need to all, They're all important to the place. So we've obviously got our sports: horse racing, motor racing, golf, flying, shooting, and cricket. That's they're all very authentic to the authentic to the place. That's kind of what we do. And then we have absolutely at our core all these traditional sort of estate activities of forestry, lovely organic farm, um, property, all these things. So trying to keep it all alive and well is really important to me. And I guess that's one bit, and the other bit's the brand, really. How do people feel about Goodwood? How does Goodwood, how's Goodwood seen around the world? How can we develop that brand around the world? How can we become better known? How can we spread the word? And how can we be really relevant? How can this great historic place be really relevant to a modern world, and, and be successful, and be self-sufficient. That's really what I'm, what I'm that, would, that would be. If I could do that, if Charlie could take over something, which is hopefully, you know, I want it to be better than how I found it, um, if possible, my father left it in pretty good, it was all pretty good shape. I'd like mm. to be able to leave it even better, and, um, and a bit more sustainable, a bit more manageable, a bit, you know, with
0: a long-term future. I mean, did you have? I mean, did, we were talking then about opening the circuit and and doing the hill climb for the first time. Did you have other plans other than that? Because I mean, knowing that you were going to take over this and try and improve things and live in a better state than you found it, was there anything else at the back of your mind that you thought you might might do, or was it was it always something to do with the circuit?
1: You know, when I started, really, when I went back to live there, I didn't think... I was rather looking forward to taking things a bit quietly. <laughs> I thought perhaps I could...
0: That's worked out perfectly. You know, it'd
1: be quite nice, <laughs> I'd, be in the, I'd be in the country, everything was kind of bit, quite well organised, and and there'd been a few things happening, and it'd been quite a difficult... Economically, it'd been a bit of a tough time uh, just before, and I quickly realised, I remember almost my f- sort of first day or so, I quickly realised that it wasn't... Actually, all quite as straightforward, and as um, I mean, it never is, is it quite as quite as uh, hunky-dory as I thought? And that there were been recently some things which have been quite demanding, and had had quite a big, bit of impact on uh, Goodwood and the and the business, and that needed some that needed some fairly immediate sorting out. So I was thinking pretty quickly about what, what most importantly here, actually. We just need to try and generate some sales. I'm a real believer, on the whole, in in if you like, in sort of generating sales rather than trying to cut costs. Yeah. So I I was really thinking about well, what can we do here that's going to be more, you know, bring 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 more interest, drive most importantly drive uh, some resource, some cash into the business, which we, which we needed to do. And it was just, and that was really where the so. One one thought, which had been on my mind for a while, was the motorcycle. So I thought, well, I'll investigate that a bit, and then you know, we, it, was, it was a miracle really. And then we fell into the festival speed because they, we couldn't open the motor circuit, which was absolutely was probably a complete blessing because we didn't have to spend all well, the beauty of the festival. Well, yeah. We didn't have to spend anything on it. We just we could kind of do it. We could kind of rent everything. We could just get the all the structures in, and um, and it had no capital cost really. So we could just do it. Whereas obviously a, the circuit required quite a big injection of capital. And, by the time we came to do the circuit, we had the Festival Speed, if you like, funding, um, helping us fund that. So we were very lucky. It, was, it really was. It was like a, it was a bit of a miracle, really, so suddenly we found ourselves with something which was actually generating um, some proper some proper um, return, but, but importantly, some cash as well, because with all these businesses, you just need some, some, um, some cash income.
0: Yeah. Did you, I mean, did, did you ever worry that you'd be the first to fail?
1: Yeah, I think one worries all the time about that. Yeah, yeah I mean you say want to be the one you don't want to be the one to, <laughs> to mess drop up. The ball. And um I mean it's just it's got a lot bigger. Whether it's got any easier is I um, you know, is, is d I don't know if it ever gets any easier really. But it, it's um yeah, one's well, just I guess do the best you we do the best we can and and um and hope it it it, it um you hope one can pass it on in better shape.
0: Yeah. Do you I mean do you do you think your son Charlie will take it in a, in a similar direction, or does he got his own grand plans? Or what do you think? Yeah, he's, he's, think a, he's a motor racing fan. He is. Well, he, he loves all of it, which yeah. is brilliant.
1: So both him and William, his younger brother, love the horse racing. That's great. In fact, they all. We're very, I'm very lucky. All my children, all five of them, love Goodwood. Love being there. Are totally involved in the estate. Totally supportive. You know, they all look after people during the events. They all have a big role to play. But I guess ultimately, just because that's the way things are. Charlie will be responsible he'll have to be responsible and then go um, after his siblings and make sure that everyone's taken care of but um uh, he is fortunately very keen on all of it he loves his horse racing um he loves his cars he races he's a pretty good driver um, he um he needs to race a bit more but he's he's doing re- he's really he loves it and um that's that's great for me, so I think he'll be you know, he's very enthusiastic, he's very ready to get involved and he, he needs to spend a bit of time doing his own thing and finding his own feet and then come back to Goodwood and, and um, take it on. I'm sure he'll do it differently, I'm sure he'll find his own things to focus on. I think that's important too. I mean it's the one that's one of the joys of such a place is it it's got endless potential really. Yeah. And so what do you love, what do you want to how do you wanna focus it up, how do you want to how do you want to um, develop it so it really reflects your own passions, and that's what's happened with the place over the last three hundred years. I mean, it very much reflects all the passions of the various dukes who've um, who've, uh, who've owned it and loved it. So we've had, um, you know, we've all had some very exciting personal moments, I suppose, mm. at the festival. And I, I'm just trying to bring some of mine together, and you know, I've driven some. You know, I drove the nineteen, I drove the nine seventeen thirty up the hill, one
0: yeah. I drove the Porsches. I've driven quite a lot of Porsches. Um, the the 917 30. Did you get to practice in that at no, all? I didn't. know, I was straight in it. <laughs> my God!
1: So what I thought that was just don't yeah, just don't touch the accelerator.
0: Oh my goodness! But I, I just think that would be in my top ten cars yeah. that I wouldn't want to drive. No, yeah,
1: you're right. That's the one <laughs> car you don't want to drive up there. Well, I oh. drove a 9083 up there. Tiger Florio car, which is yeah. like perfect for the yeah. job. I remember seeing Derek <laughs> go through Malcolm in the 917 30. Atton so nearly totaled it. He so nearly oh. lost it. And he just didn't. I thought, oh my God, I've got to be so careful through here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, you you were in a T70 Spider, weren't you? Yeah, the, yeah, the revival. That, was that in the way? Yeah, the revival,
1: was that... yes. No. Uh, it, uh, no was... Yeah, it was, it it was, was pretty quite hair raising, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that, was, that was fine actually. <laughs> Circuit's a bit easier because it's bit More room to, <laughs> a
0: bit more room not to crash, yeah. <laughs> um, now, something I did with, with Gordon Murray, um, my last Goodwood Carpool guest, uh, was word association. So, I will say a name or something like that, um, and if you can try and say the first thing that comes into your head, good or bad, um, maximum three to five words, doesn't need to be too much. Um, does that make sense? Right. Okay. So, I'll start. I'll start with Sir Stirling Moss.
1: Brave hero.
0: Um, how about Bernie
1: Ecclestone? Bernie, my gosh, um, <laughs> su- su- super clever, super funny, great company. Okay. Um, the
0: Festival of Speed.
1: Oh, demanding and stressful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, how about Ferrari? Oh. Opera. Love, opera, bitterly. Oh, OK. Yeah.
1: Uh, Goodman's future. Exciting, modern, changing, everything to play for. OK.
0: Um, slight curveball, horses. Horses. Well, cars are <laughs> going to be... <well>, <laughs> going to be just
1: like the pony club, I tell you. The cars are
0: going to be like, what well, you
1: riding your <laughs> pony at the weekend? So, you know, horses, uh, you know, history, uh, beautiful fast glamorous
0: yeah okay um, uh, final final few the ninth Duke of Richmond
1: Fre f- was my grandfather obviously so very um, you know f- warm um, enthusiastic uh, very very uh, sensitive to to, to what I was interested in as a small boy, and, and promoting my photography, and you know? so I have a very you know, attachment and close attachment, and, and um, uh, a lot of what we do
0: now is down to him. Yeah, and then final one, the revival. Fun, fast, flash. <laughs> <laughs> not flash, really. Glamorous, not flash. So I, I must ask, what was your lap record? In your oh box God, I can't races. remember, but I'll <laughs> tell
1: you a funny story. I can't remember what my best time was. I should better tell you tonight.
0: It was, but it, It's a real racing driver would have it. I Absolutely, <laughs> like that, I, know.
1: I did. I did. Was it a one one thirty-seven? something? Anyway, it was. I remember ringing Doug up, because I did a day's testing it before we opened the circuit, and I rang Doug up, and I said, Doug, I just done these times, which yeah, they're not that far off. So bizarrely, the car was originally owned by the. Um, by, of all weird things, uh, I think he was Lord Clydesdale, he was the, he was, he became Duke of Hamilton. Is that right? I think so. And, of all weird things, I bought it straight off him. He took the car to South Africa, crashed it very badly in the South African Grand Prix, turned it into a single seater, um, and then did nothing with it for years and years and years, came back from South Africa, a car lying around, he then converted the car back to a uh, two-seater sports car again, and, and then a bit later sold it. So it was a very original car, so I, I was very pleased to have it. And Doug, I said to Doug, look, I've done these times, they're not that far off Clydesdale's times, this is what I'm doing. Hmm. And I was quite pleased, I was, just, I was just about up there with his times. And Doug said, that's really crap.
0: <laughs> Thanks, That's Doug. Not good at all. You may not this, be this, quite so. This is Doug Noy. Yeah.
1: yeah. He said no, no, because he said you've got all these modern, you know, the cars re- recently been rebuilt. But most importantly, you're running on all these, you're running you, on these tyres, which are so much better. You should be at least three seconds a lap quicker. So I'm going, oh my God, this is really bad. I'm going to be so uncompetitive. And what's amazing, though, is that so Doug didn't call that one. That wasn't quite right. Because what was amazing is, is that it's it's only now and we're 20 years of the revival that and we're not mad about this by the way is that they're just about getting onto the lap record yeah so yeah. so it's incredible they still haven't really broken the lap record yeah. the clark stewart lap record and they're nowhere near it in a single seater i don't think really
0: mm.
1: so whilst the cut, so the cars are better much better prepared the tires are much better much quicker but the actual lap times um I guess in some of the cars they certainly are a lot quicker than they were then, but the actual lap record still hasn't been really shattered, so anyway, I didn't feel quite I didn't feel quite so bad about it, I didn't feel quite <laughs> so
0: hopeless. Yeah, um, No thanks to Doug. No thanks to Doug. Yeah. No, but I was sort of, you know, he tells it like it is, Doug. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me for such a such a long time, I'm okay. um, extremely kind I of know how busy you are, I hope you've uh, enjoyed your extremely circuitous route. It was circuit. a
1: long and, it was I've seen, <laughs>
0: long and winding i've we, seen
1: a lot of local sussex countryside oh, i haven't seen for
0: ages and ages well you nearly lost you twice with two lorries Yeah. <laughs> yeah. apart from that um no, we had a nearly think, had a big coming together yeah yeah so i apologize for that one but you are in one piece so thank you so much and Great. um we'll be back next next month with another and, goodwood carpool